how do you guys feel about there's two there's two sort of other pieces to this and you mentioned them carl is um kyle gay evans uh upsetting kathy clodier clodier whatever fucking also i'm sorry it's kyle evans gay not kyle evans kyle evans gay oh thank you well see this one i didn't uh, mispronounce i just i just flip-flopped it so anyway sorry i apologize Uh, I'll, i'll teach you a little trick egg Kyle Evans gay. You'll never forget. Why did why would you use that particular uh why would you use that with me? It's yeah. fucking bullshit. When you're voting anyway. over Claudia, you're taking a keg stand. Claudia. Clo- Clo- Strawbridge when, when she when when the per- when that person runs against Strawbridge and Clothier, uh or or uh I <laughs> mean is see, 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 you like that, right? See Paul Paul's old, as old as I am too, he remembers that shit. Um <laughs> This is also, I sense a hashtag coming on, like, take a keg stand. Kyla. Oh, nice. Well, she was having, a, like, power hour phone banking, and I was like, man, are we getting well, down for that? Was yeah. it really power hour phone banking? That sounds, that would might be a phone bank I'd get behind. I don't even drink. I'd do that. <laughs> You'll nice. take a shot of, like, juice. <laughs> well, juice. didn't she have like a like a sign or a koozie or something that just said gay for Delaware, which I yeah. thought was pretty good? Yeah, that was, yeah, that was, that was really good. What? Like, I I that. Is that still for sale? When I was running, I wanted a, like a 70s theme like shirt that said I love koozie. Uh, nice. Yeah. I can, I can see you doing that. Because <laughs> I'm terrible. Oh, Greetings, friends and comrades. Uh, this is a special primary reaction show of the Highlands Bunker podcast, and we're celebrating. We're very happy. Uh, we're in the shadow of Rockford Tower, and a lot of our neighbors have are real clenched up right now. Their their buttholes are tight. They're worried. Phone calls are, are being made, and uh, people are scrambling, and I absolutely love to see it. Uh, so what we've done uh, is we've put together a panel uh, to get some reactions about um, the big results in Delaware for the, the Democratic primary. So I want to introduce everybody. Uh, first, um, we have Miss Pam Foster, who is a Wilmington organizer and activist. Uh, she helped stand up and support Network Delaware and other things. So, Pam, thanks for uh, joining us. Thank you. Uh, we have Kristen Bricker uh, from Progressive Democrats of Delaware and uh, a local organizer and activist. Hello, Kristen. Hello. You also forgot to mention I'm the Secretary General of Delaware Antifa. Oh, uh, yes. And I'm the cook. I'm actually the chief cook and bottle washer of Antifa. So just so everybody can write that down. Uh, we have Jordan Pusey, who uh, is also with the Progressive Democrats of Delaware, uh, organizer and ex-candidate uh, in Newcastle County. Hello, Jordan. Hello. Thanks for having me. Uh, we have uh, freelance journalist extraordinaire. His work can be found uh, at the Discourse. Uh, on Substack uh, and in Vice and in other places. Uh, Paul Blessed. Paul, how, how are you? Good. Thanks for having me. Yeah, of course. And our super producer, Carl, is here. He's on the knobs, but he also deserves a round of applause because uh, he has uh, guided the campaign of uh, Medina Wilson Anton to victory over a longtime ex cop. Uh, <laughs> uh, it's just great work. Yeah, John Viola is, he's out. 
So Here, call un unmute and clap and cheer. Woo! <laughs> yes, Carl. At the moment. So we don't results haven't been certified yet, and we only just sort of um declared victory, so to speak. Um and there's been rumors just flying around for the last twelve hours or so that there's more ballots out there. Uh, but I haven't seen anything that actually confirms that, so we most likely won. So I want to celebrate. There we go. We're doing it. Yes. So let's kick it off from the top. Um, I guess we'll get like, it's sort of like a good news, bad news story. So maybe we'll do the bad news first. Um, really, the leader, one of the leaders of this, uh, Jessica Rain and her campaign, uh, fell short. Um, to me, I think there's uh, several reasons for that. Uh, you know, obviously, the COVID kept the campaign inside for a long time. And just by stroke of bad luck, um, the COVID also moved the Democratic National Convention sort of to Wilmington. Uh, so Chris Coons was able to play a, a leading role in that. And I think that as, at a statewide, uh, in a statewide sense, it's just very difficult to overcome something like that. Um, but she was the leader of this leftward push. Uh, everything you saw was, was sort of organized. Uh, a lot of the endorsements were the same. Uh, there was a lot of cross-pollination of, of work and of campaigns. And um, I think, you know, somebody has to be the first one off the Higgins boat to hit the beach and hit the big guns. And that person, you know, is, is got to be courageous. And uh, I think Jess Scrain was that person. Uh, but uh, I guess we'll start with uh, Paul. What, what, what do you uh, what's your what's your take from a national level um, just beyond the the loss, which I think everybody was sort of thinking that was going to go that way. Um, but uh, just sort of the, the sense you get from the national side of it. So I think that, um, you know, it was uh, it was I was I was sort of shocked uh, that she, uh, you know, that she well, I guess, first off, it was it was good that she pulled more votes than than Kerry. It was obviously not great that Chris Coons pulled 34,000 more votes than Tom Harper did in 2018. Um, you know, I think that with, I, I think it was just sort of a reminder that, you know, a lot of these statewide races are going to be hard to win for the left right now. You know, we're still sort of building, building power. Um, and I think you saw that at the state legislative level last night. Um, but, you know, when you're going up against, you know, millions and millions of, of dollars and, you know, Chris Coons has, you know, a lot of a lot of really solid backing from you know the he had backing from the DSCC. You know, he had he has you know he was taking corporate PAC money and just wasn't. You know, there's a lot of things that you're going up against. You know, I think you know what you said. You know, somebody did have to do it. You know, I think she had like her in her in her video when she was giving her concession earlier. You know, she said you know nobody else is going to do this, and I think she was right about that. Um, and I think you know her campaign drew a lot of good attention to down ballot candidates. And I think the people who worked on her campaign, like in, in Carrie Evelyn Harris's race in 2018, those people are going to go on to manage state legislative campaigns. They're going to go on to run for office themselves. So, you know, I think that, you know, while it was a, a disappointing result, I think, you know, it's, it was definitely worth it in the long run. Yeah. So Kristen, uh, you and I actually uh, did some canvassing ourselves for the campaign. I know you did quite, uh, quite a lot of it actually. What's your sense of, of trying to get out late and, and just the, the dynamic from a statewide level and in, in trying to sort of mobilize and organize, um, you know, a grassroots electorate for, for a, a, you know, a grassroots candidate like that? Well, I think COVID shot us in the knee. Um, 
I was uh, I was only a volunteer on that campaign, so I wasn't um, you know part of the the core organizing team. But I had wanted to spend the entire campaign canvassing. I know Jess did too, and a lot of people did. And the campaign had gotten off to an amazing start. I believe by the time COVID shut down the campaign, they were launching um, canvases in every county every day. And I think at some point they'd gotten up to um, about 30 canvases in a day launching from different, like not people, but different canvas launching points with multiple people um, doing it. And, uh, and that was, I mean, it was just this amazing momentum that was snowballing and then COVID happened. And not only did it affect our ability to do um, direct outreach to voters, it also had uh, an enormous impact on, on some of our personal lives and, and you know, prevented a lot of people from, um, from being able to get involved um, as much as they would have. I mean, one, about one in six Delawareans lost our jobs to the pandemic. And you know, I know I'm not the only one on this call who sort of saw their, their lives kind of upended during the pandemic. So, um, so yeah, there were like a ton of factors there, which, which, really, um, which really stunk because like you said, there were, and like Paul said, there were some really amazing organizers on the campaign that as soon as the Kerry campaign shut down, um, they basically immediately used the connections that they had made across the country through that campaign to um, attend and organize trainings, to teach themselves how to run better and more organized campaigns and everything that they did. I mean, it shows in their metrics. They contacted so many voters despite the pandemic, like particularly through their phone banks yesterday um during like you know during election day they actually signed up their one one thousand five hundred volunteer a lot of these people were doing phone banking like gotv phone banking um and my understanding is that they called well over half a million people in delaware during the campaign um so and they made you know well over half a million dials um uh, clearly not all of those delawareans picked up um, but so, so yeah, I mean, I think that campaign's going to be looking at sort of electoral district breakdowns to try to figure out um, what happened there, aside from the very obvious culprit that, that Paul said, which was, you know, Chris had, I believe something like he raised something like $5 million throughout this entire campaign. I know that during his like 30 day report, um, he had 3 million in cash on hand. So um, that, I mean, that clearly was the biggest obstacle, especially during an election where it seems like you had to get to people on TV. And, um, and I think media was shunning uh, Jess a bit in it because Delaware is such a small, small state. Um, you can, you know, literally get fired from your job for running for office because your job is funded by the person you're running against, Stephanie Barry. Um, and so it's, um, it's, it, was, it was definitely an uphill battle that was, uh, you know, it would have been an upset if she would have won, but, you know, it'll be interesting to see where we go from here. And I do think that the one thing that, like, that keeps getting used against our progressive um, candidates at the federal level is, oh, well, why doesn't she run for lower office first? Why doesn't she have any experience at all in elected position? And, um, you know, our progressive wins last night mean that we have our own incumbent, we will have our own incumbents now. 
Um, and we will have people that we can launch for higher office. And so I'm so excited to come for the Democratic establishment here in Delaware. Yeah, um, just the just the idea of some of the phone calls that were happening within the statewide establishment uh, based on these results was uh, it, it, it was definitely something that made me feel good uh, based on the results today, for sure. Um, I want to re review just some of the city uh, results uh, before we get into the sort of the statewide legislative victories, really. Um, so uh, Mayor Przicki was reelected. No, no big surprise there. Um, I don't think there was too many surprises, really, uh, across the city. Uh, we did a, a progressive, uh, Sinead Darby did win uh, her race. So we did get, uh, you know, one, one victory there. Um, but it seemed like uh, basically a reshuffle of a lot of the same sort of um, factions or a lot of the same uh, folks. Um, so, uh, Miss Foster, what do you, what do you what, what's your takeaway from uh, the, sort of the city races and and where city politics sort of stands um, now that Przicki's been reelected? There has been a little shakeup on the council, uh, but generally the same sort of factions I feel are are still holding some sort of power. Um, what's your takeaway from it? So my takeaway is that, um, yes, it was a shakeup. Uh, we got a new president we have um, in play. We have um, some returning at large um, council persons coming in. You do have some new faces, some of the, like in the fifth, I think you have another runoff because there is a challenger in the fifth. Uh, Chris Johnson, he returned, he filled the seat when Bob Williams um, uh, moved out of the, the city limits. And so what we have to be hopeful for is that even with these newcomers, um, new council president, that we can get uh, work done because we know for the past four years we were um, paralyzed. We couldn't get any work done because of factions, as you mentioned. And so things that was promised by the mayor this go around, he asked for four more years because he didn't finish. And so the hope is that with the new council that they play together, that we don't have any lawsuits uh, against one another and that the leadership actually leads and that they work together versus being decisive, I mean, divisive as they had been over the past four years. So that's the hope for the city of Wilmington. Yeah, what's the, uh, just a follow-up, because I'm interested, you know, there has been a, some shake-up, but we, we went from basically a, a council president, Hanifa Shabazz, who was pretty much understood to be sort of in the corporate real estate Przicki camp, um, to a new uh, to a new president who is, is not in that camp, while Przicki was re-elected. Um, so it, it, the, I guess the, the fear is that that will only deepen sort of the the schism between these two camps. Um, uh, there has been some new, as I said, like Sinead Darby and, and some other folks. Do you see maybe some of that breakthrough coming from other parts of the of the council? Uh, do, do you think anybody has any strategy to try to um, kind of break that deadlock? I think the strategy has to actually come from the constituents. I mean, we have to... Now, what we tend to do is we elect people and then we move on with our lives. We have to be more engaged. We have to show up for our public meetings or council meetings 
and continue to hold these people accountable. And we say that every four years, but doing that is what's going to require us to move the city forward and force the council. Again, we put them in the seat, right? We vote. Our currency is our vote, right? So now we have to um, push these people to perform, for the lack of a better word, in their role as elected officials because that's where we put you, right? So now you're in there and we're going to have to check them, for the lack of a better word. They're going to need to be checked. So that's how you avoid the divisiveness that we struggled with for the past four years. And I get it. So we didn't get, so he got in seat, um, but the other ones did not get in seat. So let's learn to play together. And as citizens, we just got to force them to do that because again, we voted you in. And so we want to see results. We, he want to do four more years. And he said, he's got more to do for the city. And the only way that's going to happen is the city council has to play and not necessarily play, but they need to learn how to work together. That's where kind of what I see. Yeah. So last thing uh, before the, the legislative races is the county that I sort of wanted to touch on because uh, Matt Meyer was uh, returned uh, as the county executive um, after getting a, uh, a challenge that was sort of an, an odd one. Uh, a lot of a lot of dark money, a lot of sort of police money because Matt Meyer has had this sort of uh, riff with the police union. Um, and I know this is this is Jordan Pusey's uh, area. This, the Newcastle County, I think, um, is, is her area of expertise, special special expertise. Anyway, uh, what do what do you make of all of that? I mean, I have an opinion about um, Karen Hartley Nagel and, and some people on the on the on the council. But before that, um, just the. The challenge to to Meyer, he fought that off. A lot of lot of sort of dark money, you know, real estate, New Jersey money. Um, what's the takeaway? The takeaway is that the people voted for Meyer. You know, we chose him. He's actually working for everyone, not just special interest, not just the FOP, not just James Maravellis and his little unions. And not, uh, you know, some of the civic people who don't do much work but like to complain a lot on to online and uh, strum up conspiracy theories. You know, um, he did great outreach. I mean, once he was elected, he did amazing outreach. He's held more town halls. Land use is getting more involved with the public, asking for more input than there's ever been. And he's literally put through a lot of progressive ordinances and the green NC agenda and looked out for vulnerable communities this whole time. And people know him. Uh, it's amazed that the people I've met that will see me wearing the women from Matt Meyer mask, like, oh, I, I know that guy. He came to this event. He was here. He was there. And he's just generally likable. And he's a good person. And a lot of people try to smear him and say terrible things about him and supporters even. My name got drugged through the mud by Nancy Willing, and I really expect an apology for some of the things she's accused myself, uh, my fellow members of PDD, Dustin Thompson, Delaware United, and a lot of groups of, um, you know. Yeah, she can. Can you explain to me? I, I know just I, I never met her. I just know her from online. And I know that it seems to me she has like a particular sticking point with Meyer and it's on like one thing. I, yeah, but he I don't... beat Gordon. He beat her her boy 
and he doesn't fawn all over her and give her access as much, you know, as he did, which is, it is what it is, you know, bring something to the table. Don't just repeat other people's talking points. Don't just ride other people's coattails, claim to be a progressive and then, you know, come out against a progressive over a retired cop who's probably the most corrupt politician Delaware has ever had. And when you look at the people who surrounded Gordon and the people she's holding hands with right now, like James McDonald and Gina Colini and Renee Tashner, none of these people are progressives. They probably shouldn't even be Democrats. You know, their politics are absolute garbage. And all they do, they're just gossip mongers. So, you know, bring something to the table. But specifically, it's sad to me because it's going to lose relevancy really fast. And there's people who put in a lot of work for that organization for many years to why it had a seat at the table. And I I was one of those people. But now I'll never go back. And I, I just don't understand how, you know, the civics, they expect to be taken seriously when all they do is antagonize people without offering solutions. Yeah, it's almost, I, I, I think of it as, uh, as just another sort of facsimile of the Wilmington politics in the county. I mean, there's, it's just a, it's a factional sort of thing. And, you know, whatever Matt Meyer does, and there's things that he's done that I like, and there's things that he does that I don't particularly like, but I don't, I don't find any fault with him from a progressive angle. I think he's just in, a, in the political world and he's operating like that. And so when people really go out of their way to smear somebody like like that, uh, considering, you know, <laughs> our experience with others, it is really uh, suspicious. I, I'm very suspicious of it. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, and the fact that, like, you know, you have Jimmy putting out signs, they raise taxes 27%. Well, there's a completely different pot of money from the property taxes and from the sewer taxes. And they were needed for completely different things. One being that our former county executive was running $10 million deficits every year and drained our reserves almost down to nothing. And that was a $60 million reserve. So when you put out stuff like that and then you, like, try to blame people for campaign finance laws while citing the wrong law, like they were trying to say that you could only get one $600 in, uh, check per four years. <laughs> you know, it just shows how out of touch and just ridiculous you are. Like with property taxes at Amazon. Well, once you level buildings, they don't have value anymore. Of course, property taxes are going down. Once they get caught up on arrears, property taxes are going to be lower. It was just the claims that were being made we're just so outrageous and not based in reality. It was really disappointing. And then when you have a dark money group coming in and dumping $200,000 into a race after the, the challenger could only raise, you know, not much and had $4,500 in the bank account 30 days out, it, it really makes you question like what's going on here. You know, you know, this person was recruited by the FOP recruited by you know, the unions to challenge Matt. It didn't matter who it was. They would have taken anybody, I'm sure. But they had to choose someone who's not even a a Democrat and get them to change their party on February 20th and then files on March 13th, (laughs) you know, and they're telling Republicans to change their party and Trump supporters are supporting her. This isn't what we need at the county. 
we need people that are there to work, not there to be pawns and puppets. Yeah, and and uh, the one thing, other other thing to mention about Matt Meyer is I do think that uh, from a, a COVID response, um, he seemed to be he seemed to be excellent. Um, the money that he did have at hand, he was able to place in in ways that I know, you know, that homeless people got places to stay. Um, testing was you know expanded, so I I, I know that. Um, I feel like he's operating in good faith, so it's pretty easy when somebody comes at him uh, that there's ulterior motives. And I think, like you said, with with the dark money, with you know the police involved, and and people changing their party affiliation, I think it's pretty clear that that was uh, that was a, that, that they tried to they tried to pull the rat fuck, and it just didn't it didn't pull off. And and I think we can be we can all be happy about that. We beat them spectacularly, and I am so happy about that. Yeah, but I mean, the COVID response, we were the first in the nation to have mass testing like that. And then they took a, you know, a gamble on this sewage testing to look for markers and where like the COVID is located and track that way. And now the CDC is saying that. So we actually have this tiny little county government that is just ahead of the curve on innovation and, and just progress. You know, we should be really proud of that. Instead, the old hangers on, they're just mad about the tiniest little details. And it's its time to grow up and actually be happy that we have a competent county government for once. Yeah, I think that's true. Um, I know I, I will have to say that the the, the Karen Hartley Nagel uh, victory was a little bit demoralizing. Oh, God. Uh, but that's that's a whole nother story. Uh, I guess we'll let, let's talk about something uh, really great now. And this is the. Um, the statewide um, for for state house and senate sort of insurgency candidates, and we had a slew of them: uh, Medina, uh, Larry Lambert, Marie Pinckney, Eric Morrison, um, just a, 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 a Ray. And I don't know. Maybe somebody can um, give me more information about uh, the woman who won the primary in, in uh, Middletown. I don't I don't know a lot about that one, but I know that that seemed like a, an excellent result as well. Um, Paul, I know you were ex- when you when you noticed it on the Internet, you and I were chatting a little bit and uh, you were even quite surprised that somebody like McBride and others could go down uh, it, like that. Um, yeah. What after thinking about it and looking at it for a day or uh, a day now, what's your uh, what's your thoughts on all of that? Yeah. I mean, when I saw what happened in Rhode Island last week uh, where it was was, you know, something like 15 out of the 22 candidates that were backed by uh, the Working Families Party and Reclaim Rhode Island and the Rhode Island Political Cooperative who were like, you know, a couple different like DSA aligned groups. Um, you know, I briefly, like it briefly crossed my mind, like, you know, maybe something like that could happen in Delaware, but I didn't expect it to happen like so soon. Uh, you know, the the McBride one was was really the, the big one for me. You know, I, I've seen, uh, you know, I, I've being somebody who has not lived in Delaware for six years at this point, like I know that Medina's campaign was like very present and like, it, it seemed like to me that, you know, she always had a good chance of winning, you know, if, if anybody was going to, you know, beat an incumbent, I thought it would be, you know, her. Um, but yeah, I, I did not expect Dave McBride, you know, somebody who's been in the legislature since 1978 been a state Senator since 1980 to go down, you know, that's, that, that was one of the one of the most shocking things to me that I've seen all year. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, from a, from a national perspective, you know, it, it, 
it definitely gives gives me hope you know that those building blocks you know like Kristen was talking about uh you know that there are going to be candidates that can you know make formidable formidable challenges to you know people like Chris Coons in the future people like John Carney like you know this is this is how it happens you know there was there was nobody in you know Delaware politics who had any modicum of power who was going to make a challenge to John Carney or Chris Coons this year um you know and and just like on a more practical perspective you know this is this is starting to build like an actual like you know progressive sort of left-wing caucus within you know the house and the senate you know this is you know i, I saw kyle Evan, evans gay be a you know a wilmington cop and uh somebody who was you know talking a lot about like unifying like that was like his major issue <laughs> um uh and i saw sarah mcbride won as well like by a you know consistent margin and i i just heard something today about this you know people like Sarah and Kyle would have been considered too left-wing for the Democratic Party a decade ago. And, you know, now I think they're pretty firmly, or they're going to be firmly in the middle of the Democratic caucus, you know, when, when the legislature comes back next year. Um, you know, it's, it, it, the fact that, you know, Medina and Marie and all those other candidates won, you know, I, I think that that's, you know, that's also going to, you know, encourage more people to run in 2022 and, and you know, finish the job against somebody like Bruce Ennis, who, you know, kind of escaped because there was there were two candidates who were splitting votes and you know if you know i think that that's uh yeah it's gonna be a long two years i think for a lot of a lot of incumbents yeah somebody like bruce ennis i i i can't i i see him sort of uh hanging it up um uh, because you know of his you know he was he was also a, a, a former cop it's a theme here in delaware you know obviously uh, but he's an older guy um you know yeah, that's that's also encouraging because, you know, last the last cycle, you know, we were able to win some victories. Uh, people like Laura Sturgeon uh, knocked out a somebody in leadership, uh, Tizzy Lockman. Uh, but I think, as you said, somebody like Kyle Gay Evans or um, or Sarah McBride even are, are really um, to the right of a, a leftward movement. They're progressive um you know, in the in the general way that the word is used, but the important thing was um, to get some 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 real uh, left candidates who I think will be able to. They're going into it with an idea of we have an agenda and we're going to need to persuade progressives. So we actually have uh, some 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 real leftist candidates who can say, look. You know, you're a progressive and you came in on a progressive sort of wave, but you're 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 kind of sitting back in the cut like with the with the whole system. And now's the time to really do something. So that's I, I do. I see the same sort of demarcation that you do. Um, so there's going to be a sort of almost like two sort of progressive factions within the caucus, which I think is is great. Uh, I'm just incredibly happy uh, that uh, Medina won it. And Carl can uh, attest um, you know, when she kicked off her campaign, of course, Carl and I have worked together for a couple of years already, but knowing that he was going to be um, her her campaign manager and the, just after meeting her and realizing sort of who she was, what her background was and the kind of legislator she wanted to be and the kind of programs that she that, that she really wanted to to go after, not just sort of sit sit in the in the pocket and sort of wait and see how it goes and how she can use her power. Uh, it's ex it's incredibly exciting um, to have someone like that um, you know in Dover now. Yeah, 
Rob, if I can just shout out as well in regards to what you were saying, but I, in regards to the, the power that bees, which is known as the Delaware Way, I think what we're doing as progressive as, as well as um, moderates and leftists and whatever else you want to call it is that we're really trying to move the state into more of a state that ran by the people because the Delaware way has always been in place. So it's always been, you know, who's the successor and planning the successor. And you're getting more of what Laura Sturgeon, I believe today said in Facebook, we're now getting more of a diverse um, assembly. You know, you've got these black women that came in, Medina, Marie, uh, Marie, and you have Ray. Ray, who's down in Middletown, she's a school teacher and his seat was open. And so she ran for it and she ran hard. She put in the work because again, the only way to move this state forward is to have clear representation of what and who lives in the state. And I'm saying, and I think, you know, Cara will say as well, and you as well, Robin, I think everybody else, that's how you move and that's how you progress. You have to have the power of the people and not one faction that's always in play. So um, hats off to all the black women that ran their ran and won their primaries. Uh, we do know that Marie will have a challenger and a Republican. So we got to continue the fight. We got to get out just as much as we did um, for her to win this primary. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we don't want to lose track of the general election. Um, I, I I feel pretty confident considering that the top of the ticket is going to be, you know, Delaware's favorite son, you know, uh, Uncle Joe. So that'll probably uh, help some of that. But, yeah, I mean, uh, we definitely need to finish finish the job off. Um, you know, and, and, and again, I think what you said, uh, Pam, is so important because you have people that really understand, you know, understand that you're going to have to make changes. It's not a matter of being incorporated into the system. It's a matter of having an agenda and executing it. Um, Larry Lambert, I think, a, a, a guy who I just, I love from Claymont and Arden, um, was able to win by quite a few votes. I, I was very actually surprised about that. Carl, what was the spread on, on the Larry and the Siegfried? Larry won by almost 20 points. It was about, I think the final margin was 18%. Yeah, yeah, 600 and something votes. Yeah, I mean, and you have somebody, I mean, even somebody who has really progressive bona fides, as far as I'm concerned, uh, with Kowalko, who, you know, maybe doesn't use his political power uh, in the most strategic way, but certainly understands that he needs progressive and socialist and leftist allies, uh, you know, uh, endorsed Siegfried. Uh, and Larry still, you know, just just blew him away. And so it, it, I think it's really indicative of, you know, just a diverse group of people uh, who have an agenda that's going to be just different. They're going to take the, they're going to take their jobs and their duties and their uh, public service and they're going to execute it in a different way, it seems to me, or at least that's my hope. Uh, and as you said, Pam, I think not only is it my hope, I feel like it's my duty to hold them all to it. Um, so I think everybody probably on this call is feeling, uh, feeling, uh, feeling something about that. I know Kristen Bricker is a, is a big, uh, is a big person who wants to hold people to it. So 
Uh, I don't know if you have already have plans of, of going and, 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 and uh, walking into some people's offices and getting them moving, but I know I, I have some ideas about things I would like to do. I already have my first civil disobedience in Representative Medina's office planned. Um, Medina, we're coming for you from the left. No, I'm just kidding. I love you. <laughs> I love you too, but we will come. We will come for her from the left. Actually, you can come. You can come. <laughs> yeah, actually, she'll be to the left of me, right? Yeah, I just um, I, I'm I'm ex again, and I think Medina is a perfect example of this. Is somebody who. Um, we're going to be able to make a make an argument and say we we need to push harder. We need to include X Y Z thing, and we have an ally. You know, we have somebody who understands that and is going in uh, with with doing these things in mind. I mean, I I I really couldn't be more excited about it. To be perfectly honest with you, I mean, uh, and when it comes to Medina, her platform was all policy pieces, so she can start running the second she's in to get these things at least put in legislative form and into bills <clears throat> they might not get taken up but at least she has that skill set she had the best platform of anybody running by far by far you know and that's what is going to be great is because you have someone like her who can be like okay we need more access to health insurance well here's a plan we don't have to dream this up from scratch I already did all the work, you know, that's amazing. Yeah, actually, actually, Carl, do you want to, do you want to uh, preview any of the big changes we can look forward to next, next session? Well, yeah. So I, I, you know, helped out with a lot of those particular plans. So yeah, the major three ones we had um, were, we had a um, green new deal for Delaware with uh, lots of different stuff, uh, you know, hundred percent renewable energy, a green bank, um, and sort of, you know, revamping the Coastal Zone Act, making sure that everybody has clean air, water, because that's a growing problem right now. Um, then we had the Working Families Plan, so that's, you know, universal child care, um, universal health care for children, um, and paid family medical leave, so sort of like what they passed for the state uh, workers, expanding that to everybody and making it a little bit more generous. Um, and then... We also more recently released a healthcare for all plan, which would make sure that every Delawarean has comprehensive healthcare um, using a, a state public option. So that those are just a few things. And I also wanted to make something clear because I've seen in some of the national or not necessarily national, some, some national coverage about, um, and it's a, a trend that I've seen about people talking about uh, turnout. And I also want to sort of tie that into what uh, Pam was talking about, as Pam was talking about with, there's a lot of people who said, because when AOC won in 2018, uh, it was a very low turnout primary. I think it was something like 11, 12%. Uh, and so she wins, uh, you get a few other people winning, you know, Rashida, Ilan. Uh, and so there became this sort of uh, trend by so some of those on sort of the moderate end of things that were like, oh, Progressives can't can't win high turnout primaries because the the silent majority is with our sort of dull, meaningless crap. Um, but then, twenty twenty, you start to see, uh, you know, Jamal Bowman, Ed Markey, Cory Bush start to win in these very high turnout primaries. Uh, but even ignoring that, 
uh, when Jess, you know, didn't win statewide, people were like, oh, you know, progressives can't win high turnout primaries. So they're going to get swamped, which in this particular case might have been true. But what people don't realize is that down the ballot, all of these uh, down ballot races had a higher turnout and the new voters were voting for progressives. So I can just speak from experience. I can start sharing specific numbers now because the election's over. Uh, that we had, you know, we had basically 1,300 people identified uh, that were going to vote for us. It ended up being closer to like 1,290, but we got pretty close to our, our win number. Uh, and of that number, 70% had never voted in a state primary before. Some of them had voted in um, presidential primaries, but none of them had ever voted in a state primary before. For those who don't know, Delaware has, has separate ones. And of the people who voted in this primary, at least of the data we have so far, we still have another 300 votes that haven't been put into like the vote, voter file system. Um, 44% had never voted in a state primary before. Um, and RD26, which is a bare Newark area, um, had a consistently low turnout in basically every past election. It was always hovering from 10 to 15%. And we bumped it up to almost 30% with this election. And that's the case you can see in other down ballot races. You can look at Marie's race, there was higher turnout. There was Larry's race, there was higher turnout. Um, so this idea that, you know, there's some silent majority that, you know, wants these lukewarm policies is just not true. Like, because at the end of the day, this is the agenda that the people want. Um, and I think we're starting to actually see, now that we have the organization and some of the money and the backing um, and then the institutional knowledge that, these campaigns are building up for the last four years since Eugene's campaign, 26, Eugene Young's campaign, 2016. Uh, that is actually starting to show itself pretty majorly. Uh, and it's translating into what is a seismic shift in Delaware politics. Like it, it's very hard to overestimate or to overstate how big this is um, in terms of effect on how the inner politics will work, how the election system will work. Like there's, so much that is going to change in 2022. Um, and also one thing that I like to throw out there is that redistricting is happening in 2022. Every seat is going to be up. So all 21 senators, all 41 representatives are going to be up in 2022. Uh, and needless to say, uh, progressives have a bit of momentum going into that. So, you know, people who don't vote the right way, they know who they are. Uh, and something gives me the feeling they're going to start behaving a bit better pretty soon. Yeah. I mean, it's sort of like, uh, like, like Paul said, I, I think you can look at, you know, just somebody maybe from outside the state or just looking at it nationally sees, um, that Jess got beat. Uh, but the turnout was very high. She got more votes than Carrie. Um, now it is a presidential primary year. It's a presidential election year, so that certainly does will drive it. Um, but a lot of it is just sort of accelerating up. Like, I don't know at this point whether, and I, maybe I wonder what Paul would think about it. Like, we use this idea of the, the presidential four-year sort of being a, a bigger turnout and a bigger push than the off-years, but we saw a, a big rise in turnout across the country in the midterms the last time now we're seeing even more than we would see in a presidential year this time uh is it do you 
do can, do we think that that's going to be a trend that the participation and just turnout is going to be progressively higher or or is it just an anomaly because of you know the the Trump or the the, the general national situation uh yeah so I think it all definitely uh it, it boils down to who wins in November um I I think that if if Trump wins again, you know, you could see another 2018 or 2006 where, you know, Democrats are just like so furious where they're just going to like come out in droves. Um, But if Biden wins, I think that, you know, a lot of Delaware moderates could take their foot off the gas. And I think that like, you know, that there might not just be that energy to, you know, go out and vote, vote, vote as there would be, um, you know, in under a Trump presidency. And I think that you know, considering that there's a lot of people in in the Democratic coalition who are going to vote for Biden or going to hate every single step of, of the way to the polls, uh, they're, you know, not going to take, you know, that for granted, uh, you know, going in, into a year like 2022. I, I think that, um, yeah, I, I think that, that, that it, definitely, it definitely depends on who wins. But, you know, I, I could see, I could very easily see, you know, another wave of this happening in 2022 if, if Biden wins. And or even if Trump wins, so uh, to be honest, yeah, my concern is sort of more towards what uh, what Miss Foster said. Like, if Biden wins, we've we've done so much work. Uh, I hope that we don't fall back into sort of complacency because, and again, I, I, not that not that I expect moderate people to, you know, jump on and start doing activism or or, or anything. I I don't. Uh, but the idea of holding people accountable or staying active uh, between elections outside the election cycle or in an off-term election, like I, I, I don't know. That's the that's the wild card to me, because certainly if if Trump wins a second term, which is possible from a national standpoint, it's a disaster. I mean, it's an absolute disaster. Now we have a pretty good setup because we've won these races, and we can we can actually start to pressure people like like Carney. Um, people like, you know, we can, we can start to do more pressure in the next two to four years, but those two to four years from, from a, just a national political standpoint are going to be a disaster. Um, so I have no idea how that's going to play, but on the other hand, you know, does a, does a Biden presidency and a sort of a, 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 a small progressive move to the left kind of, uh, sort of situate or, or, or get people sort of complacent? Do, does, it, does, it re, does it reanimate sort of just this complacent, um, I guess pe- what, what people would say, like go back to brunch sort of thing. Like, that, like I, I, that's, that's the scary part because it's, it's taken a lot of work over f- six years, actually since, uh, as Carl said, since the Eugene campaign started this organizing and, and Pam and, and Drew and those folks helped to stand up the network. Um, yeah, I think it's a, it's a complete wild card um, where people how how people sort of um, political how how they how they behave politically or how active they want to get or how sort of in touch how much organizing they want to do because we're in a sort of a weird sort of a weird national situation too which again I think I think does drive people's you know, people get more motivated uh, when everybody's motivated when it's in the news when it's a thing. Um, so I, I definitely wonder how the, that ele- national election is going to going to impact that. One thing I was also curious about, uh, just hearing from y'all, is you know 
now that McBride is out, you know, what do you think is going to, how do you think that's going to play on like the leadership fights, you know, who's going to replace him? I like, you know, I, I'm, that's, that was my immediate thought, but I haven't really gotten a, a straight answer. Yeah. It's funny. You said that. I, that was my next, my next question. Great segue um, is like, where from, a, where, where, where do we think this goes from here? Um, I, I certainly think that there has to be number one. I think it's pretty clear that, the leadership at least feels the threat. I think that's clear. I mean, I think people who are in the know, um, Jordan. Oh, they and, definitely feel it. What um, what indication do we have, or we can just speculate about based on you know our our knowledge? What what do we think this impact of this of this primary season is going to have on leadership? Um, obviously. Uh, Schwarzkopf and and poor are. Uh, I think they're done. I, I mean, do you think they're just, they're done in leadership? You're saying? Yeah, and I, I I'm really hoping we can recruit someone to challenge poor, to challenge Longhurst, to challenge Ozienski, and to challenge some of the people that circled the wagons against mediocre incumbents just because they work with them instead of actually listening to what the people want and respecting the voters or even staying out of it. You know, because some of them tried to play both sides, and I, that's so disingenuous. But I, Pete has to be done at this point. Uh, Nicole has to be done in leadership at this point. And I, I think there's hopefully the move will be around like someone like Brian Townsend. Uh, he he took out an entrenched incumbent years ago. I'm not happy with every decision he's made. But um, I, I think he'd be good in that role. And when you have some of the progressive-ish or progressive light or even just liberal people that have been moving into the Senate and moving into the House, I, I would love I would love nothing more to see just a complete wipeout of all leadership and getting new faces in there that are actually going to work for the working class and the poor and the vulnerable and everybody and not just special interests. And I think it's going to happen. I think they're scared shitless. And that makes me so happy. <laughs> are there yeah, any I mean, possibilities, uh, sorry, are there any possibilities other than Brian Townsend? Because he still fits a problematic demographic within the General Assembly, which is that he's an attorney and the son of a police officer, which he has mentioned to me when I've lobbied him on criminal justice issues. Well, I think a lot of it comes down to seniority, too. And he's someone who's worked. I mean, obviously, I have my own issues with him, the Coastal Zone Act, his sponsorship of that being one. But I don't know if they can get Stephanie Hansen or Tizzy into that, into that spot. And I hate that it's got to be, a, you know, another white guy. But, I mean, we had Karen Peterson and... You know, she's retired now. Patty got knocked off. But at least Patty, for all her flaws, put forward bills that, you know, people wanted, that leadership was against. I mean, but McBride didn't do that. And that's all we really need in that role is someone who's going to put forward the bills that are uncomfortable, that leadership doesn't necessarily like, but the people want voted on. Because you can't just keep doing this untransparent nonsense and expect to, you know, be the voice of the the people. Yeah, I mean, you you bring up a good point. I don't know. That's that's always the 
question, right? Uh, like, okay, so we're going to replace this leadership with, with whom? Like, you know, I, I have, I'm sort of the same way. I, I don't know. Brian Townsend seems like somebody to me who has sort of integrated himself into the system. And, you know, will he be, while he's certainly an improvement, I, I don't know whether he's somebody who has an agenda, you know, I'll be real honest. I wonder what you guys' feelings are about it. Like, I my, I don't want to say fear, but my my concern is that, uh, a, like a Brian Townsend leadership, the first thing they're going to do is use as much political capital as they can to do something about guns, which, I I I don't like. I I understand it's an issue people want to have addressed. I just don't know how that is going to improve the material conditions of people. If they actually pass laws that kept the guns out of hands of, like, say, domestic abusers, people charged with menacing, harassment, stalking, um, domestic violence, assault, things like that, the criminals that shouldn't have guns, that, that would material improve the lives of women that are victims of domestic assault, especially, you know, people that are the victims of crime. That's fair. Yeah, keeping, right. yeah, but banning wholesale types of weapons that's not going to do it. Yeah, and it just seems like you, you the the uh, based on what and, and again, now we have a, we're going to have a, a fairly sh- shaken up general assembly, but based on the amount of political capital he spent last time that went nowhere, I, I just I don't know whether I don't know whether I would make that my priority, but you make well, a good yeah. point. You, I mean, you Carl, remember that Marie Pinkney won in large part because David McBride killed the gun bills that was spent so much they spent right. so much political capital on. But the reason it was spent is because McBride screwed them over. Uh, and so the Moms Demand Action people, like, I will always commend them because they are, because uh, I, I worked with them on Laura Sturgeon's campaign. They also helped out a little bit with Medina's. Um, both Medina and Viola were gun sense candidates, but, you know, some preferred one, some preferred the other. We have to keep in mind that they are very effective members of the Democratic Coalition. And oh, yeah. Uh, I I think it's reasonable to expect that some form of gun control is going to be on the agenda in 2021 just because they were such a big part of getting re-elected, of getting a lot of the progressive candidates elected. Um, and it's, I think, very clearly something that the Delaware Democrats want, even if it's yeah. not... It's, it's not the one thing that should be passed, obviously, but I believe that now that there's so much pressure coming from the progressive movement, I don't think that would be the only thing that's passed. A lot of the reason that people don't pass things is because they don't have to. Um, Turns out, I mean, it's really not that difficult to write that many bills. They have a lot of attorneys working there. Uh, There's a lot of uh, groups like Sierra Club or um, why can I not think of another group? Other progressive groups or things that they have issues that they specifically... Delaware United. Delaware United, yeah, Delaware United. ACLU, Coalition for Smart Justice. Yeah, there's a lot of groups that will write a bill for you or along the bill. There's other Mm -hmm. groups nationally that are starting to work on like more progressive policy stuff. It's not that difficult to write a bill. It's more difficult to pass a bill when you're too afraid of certain parts of your coalition to stop it. And that's why gun bills died because a lot of the union people came out against it. But yeah, that's a hundred percent of the reason it died. It was because of the union people. And um, I'm not, and as we see, yeah, gun legislation, I'm not, I just, when it comes to priorities for like improving the lives of most people, 
I don't know if that's the highest priority, whereas like healthcare or universal childcare or yeah. more funding and education, like, you know, it's like the Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Like you start with the basic needs. We need food, we need shelter, we need, you know, clothing, and then you work from there. And when you have so many people with nothing and so many people out of work, and I think when you were talking about like national with local and the progressive movement, that's going to be the crux. When all these people are struggling, they need, regardless of, hopefully Joe Biden wins, obviously, because I don't want to go into a full fascist country, but we need the policies at the ground level at the most local forms of government that are going to take care of the basic needs of the American citizenry. Yeah, I've been knocking on doors in Wilmington for pretty much two years straight at this point. Um, it's the only place I really like to knock on doors. Um, and oddly enough, even though people there probably um, more than um, people in a lot of other zip codes are so affected by gun violence on a daily basis, um, I, uh, you know, there was um, actually when, when Rob and I were canvassing, actually there was a shooting not too far from where we were same thing that same week there was um there was a shooting jess and i heard gunshots when we were canvassing together um way too many people that i canvassed voters um were telling me about family members that they'd lost recently to gun violence and i will say that all of that said and the fact that you know guns are are you know a major part of their everyday lives um and they hate it um i personally have never had a wilmington voter tell me that gun control is their top priority for them, it seems as though reducing violence in their community um, is a matter of number one, education and just, you know, neighborhood, um, you know, quality of life. And, and number two is, um, is there basic needs, income, things like that. And, and that's more what I hear about um, then, you know, in terms of their proposals for what would, uh, would solve the gun violence problem. And so, you know, I do hope that the groups that did, uh, you know, especially the, the gun control groups that, that helped progressives um, win, I certainly hope that um, they do uh, have the, the best of luck with their bills. I am also happy about their stance um, during the Black Lives Matter uprising. And so I am very hopeful that they will also come together for some of these other um, quality of life issues like healthcare um, that voters in these gun violence affected communities are clamoring for. Well, yeah, so some things that are definitely gonna be on the agenda, I think in 2021 are uh, stuff like universal pre-K or paid family leave. I think that's stuff that like, I know at the point if like Sarah McBride and Kyle Evans Gay are running on it, I think it's at least gonna get to a vote uh, and I, I'd be very surprised if stuff like, something like that didn't pass in the current environment. Uh, I think education funding reform is finally, I think maybe we've almost gotten to the point where there's enough people who are willing to push on it because we had Laura Sturgeon in 2018, uh, Tizzy Lockman, two people who really focused on that both even before they were elected. Um, and then you got a lot of people who ran on that this year. Um, that was Medina's actually top issue. Um, and then say, you know, Stephanie Berry gets elected, she'd be another person who could do stuff on that. So I think that's going to be a big thing. Healthcare, the fact that uh, Ray Siegfried passed a healthcare bill that was not bad, like it was, it was, uh, you know, reduced insurance premiums, like 20%, like, decent bill. But the fact that 
people still voted for Larry because Larry was like, well, we still got to do more. We actually got to, you know, make sure everybody has insurance. We got to do all this stuff. I think healthcare probably also going to be on the agenda. Um, and criminal justice reform is just sort of an obvious, like with the Black Lives Matter uprising, it's never been more clear how far away the views of the leadership is from the actual views of the party. Um, because that's something you saw across the country was a lot of black candidates and a lot of black progressives, black radical candidates in many cases, winning elections in areas that no one ever thought they could. Uh, Mondaire Jones did best in New York in more affluent white areas because the, there's a groundswell of change on that particular issue. Uh, and a lot of candidates who have been doing that, like Larry Lambert, he was organizing Black Lives Matter protests all across his district back in June. Uh, Medina helped organize, along with Kobe Owens and many others, uh, helped organize the big one in Wilmington in, in June. Uh, and she's been organizing around that since 2014. Um, so, so that is also definitely going to be on the agenda because I know that uh, legislative uh, Black Caucus and some allies introduced uh, a slate of some reforms in earlier this year, but I think those are almost certainly going to pass and I think more has to happen as well. And I think with the changes we've seen, it very well could. Um, I do want to, uh, Lovely, did you just pop in here? Lovely Lacey? Uh, uh, local activist. Yes, I did actually. Hello. I, I just popped in. I'm actually at the Grand Canyon right now, but uh, thought I'd say hi. You popped in from the Grand Canyon. Oh wow! Incredible. Yeah, I'm at the Grand Canyon. Uh, so uh, it's it's me. Jordan Pusey is here. Uh, Kristen Paul blessed. Uh, uh, let's. Uh, Carl is here. Miss Pam Foster had to drop. She was on earlier. Are you giving us a photo of the Grand Canyon right now? Holy shit! That's the Grand Canyon. Oh wow! That's incredible. <laughs> wow, yeah, we've gotten calls into this show from a couple different cool places, but never the that's just the best probably. Awesome. Takes the cake. It does take the yeah, cake. Yeah, it's beautiful. So lovely. Let me catch you. Let me catch you up. We talked about all of these uh, primary results. Were Were you in town yesterday for the primary, and then you went out west, or or did you vote by mail, and then or what'd you what'd you do? Yeah, I voted by mail a while oh, nice. ago. Yeah, um, but I I got I was getting the election results in, um, in real time, even though I was in a couple different time zones. But yeah, it was pretty pretty hot last night. Yeah, we were we were extremely uh, we were extremely pleased uh, over here on the East Coast. Um, uh, yeah, so I, I I'm interested uh, if you have anything specific to say. I mean, we talked about. Um, Mostly t the legislative victories, uh, Marie Pinckney, Medina, Eric Morrison, Larry Lambert, Ray, uh, all of that stuff. Uh, I wonder just, um, you know, what your, what your take on it is. Give you the opportunity to kind of give your spiel. Um, first things first, I want to say uh, that I know for a fact that Larry Lambert should have won last time um, that he ran. And I'm glad he won this time around. Uh, he's a man of great character and integrity. And I'm excited to see what he's going to do in the legislature legislature. Um, and then of course, Marie Pinckney and Medina. Um, I think they are going to shake things up, which I'm excited about. And I know that it's a big, it's actually a big 
deal for Medina to have been an aide and now coming into the legislature as an actual legislator. So being able to see both sides of it is um, awesome. And I think it's going to be amazing for Delaware. But um, biggest thing is definitely <laughs> um, not getting caught up in, I guess, all of the red tape of the legislature because it's hard to be able to be your own person when you're in there. Um, but I, I respect those people and I know that they'll do a great job. Yeah, I, I said I said pretty much the same thing, actually, is, um, you know, a lot of people have, have won some victories and they get in there and they sort of feel like they need to be part of the the scene. But I feel like there are so many people who are going to be going down to Dover the next session who have an agenda and they really understand what the people they're representing and what they can do. And it's completely a different show now. I, I feel like this is a, a complete sea change and uh, yeah I'm just really excited about it yeah they're going to be able to support each other which I think is the most exciting part it's not going to be any one of them in a vacuum it's going to be I mean look at what Medina can do with Larry and a Green New Deal for Delaware those are two candidates that really ran on the environment Larry's district is just you know one of that's one of the main issues there and so I mean if the two of them can can really stick to that and also just you know support each other to stick to their their ideals this is going to be amazing yeah the thing is it's it's been a slate for a while just because i know i've been on calls fairly frequently with all the candidates and all the campaign people um and yeah they they've yeah. been supporting each other so they already have a rep they already know each other and trust each other and uh the ability to vote in a block like that, especially in a legislature that is quite small, is uh, going to be pretty good. Especially when there's, there's already people down there who, I know, and I'm not going to say any names, but there's people down there who have been waiting for something like this to happen. Um, and I think they're going to start to take action as well once they have a new set of voices. Well, I, I am going to uh, bring this show to a close. I am so happy with everybody who joined uh, I want to thank Miss Pam Foster, who joined and had to drop. I want to thank journalist Paul Blessed, who joined and had to drop. I want to thank Lovely, who actually uh, called in from the Grand Canyon. We can actually see. We're not recording the video, but I can see the Grand Canyon. It's incredible. I see it. Uh, we have uh, super producer Carl, who has... Uh, I've been saying and saying, get Medina in. And he got Medina in. He did it. We're doing it. So, uh, you know, Pistol Pete, you're on notice. Just let you know. Jordan Pusey, she's here. Uh, I know she's having a... I, we we want to uh, wish uh, get well soon to the mister. He had, a little, uh, he had a little bump in the road. He got patched up. Jordan's helping him out. We want to wish him best of luck. How's he, how, how's he doing, by the way? He's actually doing pretty good. I mean, the... There's a lot of damage done. He's got, uh, I mean, his pelvis was fractured in four places. The top of his femur was. So he's got pins and rods, but he, he acts like, you know, nothing happened. And he's moving around on this walker despite everything and just being as stubborn as humanly possible. Of course. So hopefully, yeah. Sorry about that background noise. I'm outside. Um, yeah. If he keeps improving, we'll be good. 
I mean, the, it's great the therapists come to the house. Everyone can come here now. Oh, good. Yeah. Well, that's excellent. Uh, Kristen Bricker, thank you very much. Um, you're, you're Antifa Karen. I'm the Antifa cook. You're Antifa Karen. You're Antifa uh, Ken. Oh, right. I like it. Is that, I have is, my, that, is that the male Karen, Ken and Karen? Ken and Karen. I will be the Antifa Ken. I mean, I, I just said I was the Antifa <laughs> grill man. Like I'm the, I'm the cook. I just do the food, but I'll do whatever. <laughs> I mean, I'll, I'll do whatever. I mean, I'll surf, whatever. I don't care. Uh, thanks everyone. Uh, I, I, I hope that what we've been doing lately will, um, will motivate everyone. We've won some political victories, but I also think that we are organizing. We're, we're, we're reaching people where they are. Uh, we're telling them that a, 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 there's things to get involved with and, and, and activate and talk to their neighbors and just building community among people. Um, this is, that's just what we have to do. It's not about buying a house in Hocus and by yourself um, and buying an extra car and a house at the beach. It's not, it's just not about that. It's about coming together and, and, and living a life for everybody. So we don't have to deal with just the horse shit that everybody feels bad about. We're not doing that anymore. A change is coming. You don't need to be a weatherman to know which way the wind blows. It's happening. Also, if you don't mind, uh, kick in some money to uh, Highlands Bunker. Patreon.com slash the Highlands Bunker. Delaware Call. Please support the Delaware Call. We're, we have so many ideas about how to expand our work. A lot of the people that you heard tonight are going to be involved in it, as a matter of fact. So thank you, everyone, for joining. Um, there's going to be more to come in the coming weeks, months, and years. And, and I can tell Pistol Pete, I can tell Val, I can tell everybody in Dover, I can tell everybody at the Delaware Democratic Party, everybody at the newspaper, everybody, everybody everywhere. This is never going to stop. We're never going to stop doing this. So if you have any any illusions that you're going to pull some move or you're going to get some money from a pharmaceutical company or you're going to get somebody fired from this job or you're just going to have the cops put this, it's, it's, this is never going to stop. So I suggest you get on board for the big win or you get the fuck out of the way. Everyone, I totally appreciate you uh, signing on. Um, and I'll be speaking to you all very soon. Thanks, everybody. Good night. Yeah, thank you. Left thank you. is left is absolutely best.